welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. This is your host, Light Light Fingered Thief, and I'm also joined by today, Logar. Hello, I am Logar the Barbarian. How are you today? Logar, doing well, doing well. I know we've been talking about uh, Dragon Magazines, so yeah. today we'll be talking about another interesting article that we that Logar found. I thought this was, this was a neat one. It's called Rolls for the role players by david wilder this one this is an so it's an issue 188 of dragon magazine december 92 and this is an issue that i think we've looked at before there's a few other good articles in here we were going to touch on this is this is kind of saying that there's things not just that the dm can do to make the game better but that the players can do and some of these things i've talked about and heard people suggest doing and some of them we've done at our tables in the past in different games (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm curious to uh, hear your thoughts on this one. So why don't we go through some of the different uh, roles or positions that people can play as players within the game? So, yeah, it's focused on what players can do. Now, the, one of the first, so uh, without reading straight through, it's actually not the longest article. It's a little over a page long. One of the first ones that it suggests is the map keeper. That's assuming that we're using a map of some sort or some type of play mat for a dungeon. Well, it's not even just a play mat that you need to be using in order to do that. Uh, when we used to play back in the 90s, especially when we do dungeons, we didn't use a play mat, but we would use graph paper and someone would sketch out what the dungeon master said. I've done that a lot over the years without play mats, just, using, just sketching the dungeons to get a map down and get an idea of what's going on. Um, I think that's a good thing to have in your game, especially if you're not using play mats and you're not using minis. It can be helpful to to draw down the maps, especially with like dungeons and stuff, but also like locations. If you're using play mats, it makes it a little easier because you have the the dimensions in front of you on the table. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm thinking more from a modern standpoint, you know, today, if you're playing in person, you could be using your dry erase play mats, or if you're playing online, you might not need that role because you have row 20 or fantasy grounds or some other online system that is doing that for you. Cause the DM already populated that map online. I don't know about keeping maps when you're doing online play, I guess you could just do it the same. You always did. But if you're using those things that like give you little images, like you could just take a screenshot at some point. <laughs> Well, like I said, you know, for modern day gaming, like I said, more and more people are using those type of online tools. So that's why I at my table table when I'm playing an in-house game that I don't use any kind of technology whatsoever. So it's just, you know, graph paper and whatnot. So moving along, when was that during the melee, the chase or other time sensitive situations, a timekeeper helps the DM and players ensure that all actions are timed properly so a timekeeper a timekeeper is probably helpful because as a dm a lot of times you're so busy managing other things that you don't keep track of the actual time of passage and invariably someone's going to be going to be asking how long have we been traveling or how long have we been down here can we take a long rest can we take a short rest you know so and depending on what rule sets you're actually using in game, because like AD and D and stuff, you have turns, rounds, and everything else to dungeon delving, overland travel, and stuff like that. If you're using rules like that, there's a very structured way to keep time, making sure that the player who's keeping time knows those rules or has access to them. Pretty helpful, as well as when you're talking about combat, things like spells. 
like when the spell goes off, how long the spell duration is, how long this takes effect, keeping track of all those stuff in combat rounds. Those are the kinds of things you'd be looking at. Now, this would have to be someone who, again, is at least willing to familiarize themselves with some of the more ins and outs of those specific rules. And nowadays you can find occasionally find halfway decent time tracking type of PDFs and stuff online to help with that. Yeah, I mean, I personally use a couple of uh, tick mark sheets to tick off different periods of time, depending on if we're talking like rounds or turns or hours and days. Now, the next one says, who's in charge? The speaker designates the marching order and coordination of the strategy of the group. I've used speakers before in my games, having somebody, okay, talk to the the group leader or whatever, and then relay to me what's going on. And I found that helpful, especially when I've been working with larger groups, letting the party themselves communicate amongst themselves and have a player who just takes the finalized decisions to me as a DM. And I don't have to sit here and mediate through all the other stuff. And while that's going on, I'm often listening and prepping and preparing and going through my head. What's going to happen next as we respond to these things (laughs) helps the game move along a little smoother. Yeah, I think um, if you can get a speaker that can corral and round up your players, it's good. Oftentimes, we also just go straight down the line and ask each player what action they're doing. Because invariably, some players are more quiet than others, and you want to maintain you know, inclusion and participation in the game. So I tend to ask each player what they're doing. Yeah, and, and now, this again are like... Like some of these is like you can have a choose to have a speaker. I've I've done it before where I would rotate who the speaker is or the, the person who relays the information to the DM each week. That way everybody kind of gets a turn to do that. I have done that in different games. And that's helpful to try to get people a little more engaged, especially people yep. that aren't as engaged. And some people aren't going to be as comfortable doing that. Now I'm going to move on to the next one. What went on? The chronicler. The person who's keeping track of the story, the goals of the NPCs, major NPC encounters, important actions taken by the party, as well as the individual characters and other pertinent information. I've never had a player do this in game. It's always been up to me as a DM. And honestly, having another sheet handed to me with all this information would be extremely helpful. I would love that. Reading through this, I'm thinking I might try to ask some players in this upcoming campaign. We're going to be starting. We finished the one up that I'm running actually tonight. <laughs> I might try to look at some of these roles for our game. It would be helpful. And, and I think it might help give us a better game. Now, one of my big pushbacks against some of this is things like the timekeeper and stuff like that may require a little more technical knowledge of the game. And I have played with a lot of people who don't and bring in a lot of people who are maybe newer gamers or don't know the systems as well. And part of my job or my, my intent as a DM is to make it easy for anybody who doesn't know the mechanics or system and stuff like that to be able to play and jump into it and not have to worry about knowing those things. So it's not really a task for anybody in every game. No, certainly you want someone that's a little bit more experienced in role-playing games as well as in the rule sets of whatever genre that you're playing in to help out with, take your pick, timekeeping or other. Because, you know, for very new players that have never played RPGs before, you know, they're probably still trying to figure out how to engage as an RPG player. Or if you're new to a rule set, you know, I certainly don't want to be the... Um, have any additional responsibilities because i'm still trying to keep track of the rule set um it's like okay what dice do i need to roll what skill do i need to check against what 
bonuses or negatives do I need to look at? But to your point, I think having a chronicler as a, you know, a backup or an assist to the game master would be huge. And a lot of times some people would naturally fall into that role. They like taking the notes and keeping track of the story and stuff. So. And sometimes a lot of, a lot of times in game, most of the time we usually have somebody who defaults to the being the scribe of the party and keeping track of treasure for that game and stuff like that. Uh, I'm wondering if the scribe would also be a good chronicler or if those could be two different positions to split up. I think if you have a larger group, splitting them up would be easier. Splitting up for a larger group would be easier. You know, if it's just like a four-person player party, then you could double up that role pretty easily. But if it's going to be much larger where you have more XP, more monsters, more treasure, more encounters to track, you might need to split that role up a little bit. So the last one we get is the player NPC. I don't think I've ever used this before the way that they describe where the player actually runs an NPC in assistance of the dungeon master versus running an NPC as a substitute for their character. So I've, I've done that a few similar things a few times. Um, it's turned out well, one of the things I have is, which is, I feel similar in the vein is when I have people come in that are just dropping in. They're not going to, I know they're not going to be here next week and they had not, permanently in the party hey play this npc this is the npc they bring life to the npc i've definitely seen some bland npcs get a little more uh, life and sure. become a little more memorable from a guest player taking over that npc yep but again that's in the assistance of the party not as much as uh you know running a major baddie for the you know game master for example talking about that are there other roles that you think could be helpful for the dungeon master when we're playing that the players could take up? Cause I can think of a couple that aren't mentioned in the article that I've heard about and heard suggested and thought about trying. You're talking about other roles, players, yes. assistants. Yes. Um, you know, I'm open to hear what your thoughts are. Cause you know, some of the roles here between the scribe, like we talk about keeping track of treasure encounters, XP, I think is helpful for me as a DM but I'm curious to see what other thoughts you had. Yeah, I do love the idea of someone keeping track of things like how much treasure for the XP and experience points for monsters and being able to hand you that sheet at the end of game so you can calculate it so you're not having to jot it down during game. But in conjunction with that, one that I've heard that I've always thought would be fun, especially when you get into larger scale combat, as somebody who's a little more rules-oriented and combat rules-oriented, running monsters and baddies at the table for the dungeon master as a co-dm essentially and i've liked that idea you know they still a lot of times the way i've heard this told is they still play their character in combat but they're also using the the monsters and trying to attack the party i think it will be interesting to try a co-dm for combat I've never really gotten a chance to do it. I know it's been suggested the table a few times over the years. I think that could be interesting, especially for classes that are not combat heavy. So, you know, for example, if I was playing a thief in a game, thieves typically are not going to engage in combat heavy straight on. So it might be fun for the player who's playing a thief to be able to run a big baddie orc or whatever it is that has a little bit more oomph in their attack and such. Another one that, so I'm going to get back to that one first before I go to the other one. Uh, one of the positives about that, or one of the things I would look at with doing that is 
some players do like to run combat a lot more than I do. <laughs> they know the ins and outs of combat. If you have a player like that that's into that kind of thing, that's an excellent role for them to take up. Another one that I'm going to bounce off of that is people like to make, uh, so I don't do things like they call it builds with characters and stuff like that and get into intricate ins and outs. But I have heard people suggesting, like if you have a player who likes to make builds and do intricate things with their with building characters that way to be powerful. Say, hey, why don't you help the other players also do the build optimization thing that you're doing so you're not all out of whack and you're the only person with all the bonuses and leaving the other players feeling salty. <laughs> um, yeah, I need to think about that one because I, like you, I hate people that build characters. and It's <laughs> <laughs> just they have a different pile, style of play. <laughs> oh, I, it, it drives me nuts, but... Uh... <laughs> But then, you know, if if, you, if the whole party was max min, Well, then you got maximum hit dice for every monster as you're pulling out more powerful. That's a whole different story there. Uh, right. And, and you, that, we'll probably you need talk to, about that. We'll, in a few sessions. Yeah, we, we'll be talking about that in a few sessions. But yeah, to your point, you, you would need to dial up the adventure and the monster rating like two levels to account for min-max players. <laughs> Yeah, there there will have to be some adjustment, but but you know, having that per those person, you know, I, I would imagine the person who likes to do that character build type stuff would also be the person into the mechanics and be running your monsters for you and saying, Hey, what can you do with this monster? Because they approach the game like a puzzle to be solved and a thing to be defeated, and let them amp up your monsters for you when they're attacking the party. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it, it depends on the type of game you're running because i'm thinking for like a traditional DD fantasy game then yeah i would certainly be open to someone helping um the dungeon master run the monster combat but if we're playing call of cthulhu i would not just because there's the monsters themselves are, are a mystery by itself yeah. and you don't know what features the monsters have right so that's part of the mystery of the game so i think it'd be very dependent on the type of game you're running on whether you want someone to assist you in the combat when some of the monsters are being discovered for the first time and you don't know what the powers are for the creature that's yeah it really does depend on what the game is you're running if you're doing a more very traditional style dungeon crawly type thing sometimes those things would probably be easier than say you're running something like a social game like vampire the masquerade or something like that where combat might not be as big of a thing in a lot of the other more social games but well, we're about on time. If you liked what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. And those that have, thank you so much. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. We're fairly active there. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. Check out the stuff we've been posting there. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. If you can support us in any way, I'd be really grateful. Could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. I want to thank everyone that supported us so far from the bottom of my heart. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Hey, Rome, lucky with whatever role you're playing. <laughs>